in india it's not just a bread and breakfast kind of service mm. or not really a design play it's a very operations intensive business in india mm. it starts it has almost everything packaged food wifi laundry indian indian kids are fairly dependent you know <laughs> they, they never lack independence <laughs> i mean they come out of their families for the first time they stay in an independent environment for the first time so they really don't know how to manage a lot of the stuff around them Hello everyone, Neil Patel here. Thank you for downloading the latest episode of the India Startup Show. So, just a quick announcement, I'm coming to India on the 6th of December. Really excited for two weeks, um, so if you're around and want to meet up, please get in touch. So today I speak with Anu Talraja and Priyanka Gira. They have co-founded a company called Oxford Caps. Oxford Caps is Asia's first branded and tech-enabled student housing company. Uh, they started in Singapore and now growing rapidly in India. So they talk about how they went from quitting their corporate jobs to raising $10 million. Uh, they talk about how they are enhancing the student experience. They talk about female entrepreneurship. They talk about the hardest part about doing business in India. They talk about how to pitch to investors and knowing each other since childhood. And finally, some Steve Jobs chat as well. So please enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello, ladies. Thank you for coming on the Indian Startup Show today. Hi, Neil. Please tell the listeners what you're building. Basically, we have a company called Oxford Cap. Uh, we do student accommodation, uh, and what we like to call it is student living 2.0. So basically, Priyanka and I, we have known each other for over eighteen years, mm-hmm. and incidentally, we were also uh, living together when we were in our college. We went to the same college. Okay. And um, if you think back of those days, they were probably one of the best days of your life. Uh, but while you're experiencing that happy time, you are in a learning environment. The accommodation services that are available to students, uh, specifically in Asia and India. uh they are pretty substandard and they haven't evolved over a period of time they don't reflect the needs of today's generation and that's what we are trying to change uh we basically take over existing buildings and custom design them to fit the needs of the current generation the gen z um make give more community spaces the accommodations are um they have a much higher standard of living are uh, of much higher quality uh we do them as per our design standards and then we manage the accommodation for the student uh in addition to the accommodation we kind of provide a lot of things that help enhance the living experience of the student during that time uh including access to events be it career events be it education upskilling events be it lifestyle related events or lifestyle related partnerships with a lot of large brands um so essentially we are helping redefine the entire student living experience in india good stuff and how do things get started so see essentially um you know it is something that is a problem that we had realized even during our student days but that realization kind of intensified um at least for me when i went back to school uh, for my mba after working mm-hmm. for 8 9 years yeah. um and then we had both been working in real estate space for a long time and uh, we kind of really understood um you know the mechanics or the technicalities behind student accommodation how does that uh, function as a real estate asset class so it was basically working in the industry after 10 years that we kind of uh, realized how we can make a business out of a very real problem that we have personally faced how are things going so far then uh, can you share some stats uh priyanka you can take that one yeah so uh, till now neel we started our business uh, in singapore and uh, we manage approximately 350 to 400 beds in singapore as on day uh, after singapore we pivoted to india we started with approximately 800 beds in the first year of operations 
since which was 2018 and currently we manage over almost over 11500 beds in india and the scale that we have gone we've actually seen a growth of you know 75 times to what we had uh, with uh, almost like uh, 88% occupancy average across uh, india singapore is 100% occupied uh, which actually uh, reinstated that it was a very real issue that we were addressing and um, having said that i would say that uh, a lot of these students uh, who who now stay with us you know they their focus primarily was only i mean what their limited expectation in india you call it a pg market a paying guest market their limited expectation of a clean room a clean uh, you know housekeeping every day basic standard of food a uh, basic electricity and power backup was not being met i mean the moment the product entered in india i i think we were a, we, it became a great hit and uh, i mean in the first year of operations itself i remember when we were having just 1000 beds uh, we used to receive so many uh, messages calls on our facebook on our you know twitter everywhere requesting us to open in their cities so it was it was a yeah so it was a it was something that we uh, thought that will really really do well and thankfully it picked up the same way awesome so let's talk about these hostels or dorms then are, uh, are these like mixed dorms or single dorms or what what are they? I mean, do I get breakfast, etc., uh, etc.? Et so, Neil, in India, these services are in India. It's not just a bread and breakfast kind of service, mm. or not really a design play. It's a very operations intensive business in India. Okay. It starts. It has almost everything packaged: food, Wi-Fi, laundry. Indian Indian kids are fairly dependent. Yeah. You know, <laughs> their level of independence is quite limited. Okay. I mean, they come out of their families for the first time. They stay in an independent environment for the first time, so they really don't know how to manage. A lot of stuff around oh okay. so i would say 50 60% of our business is actually operations and hence it makes it very very operations intensive uh, now the second part to it is uh, what kind of offerings are there mm. so uh, typically in india what we were seeing till now till till date what was happening that you know there there were normal mom and shop uh, mom and pop shops where it was just uh, probably a house which uh, a old aunt or uncle would rent out they would fit in 8 10 12 beds as many as they they would provide unhygienic conditions and basic food so how we transformed the offering was that we actually started giving them proper triple and twin share accommodation mm-hmm. single triple twin dorms as a concept in india is yet to pick up but yes we are experimenting in couple of our properties where we are converting a you know one floor into dormitories now dorms as a concept in india was not is not really acceptable because of the condition of the existing dormitories mm-hmm. right i mean what kids relate to as dorms is like one room with less than 100 and you know i would say not even 100 i would say less than 75 square feet of space allocated to a bed which which was just not accept which which is just not you know it does just doesn't think in the cycle of the student so now how we are transforming it is that we are getting you know it's we are trying to design dorms the international way so only the newer new build to suit build build to suit kind of projects that we are signing up they we are reserving a floor or something for the dorms you know i mean dorms the way they are there internationally four share six share eight share where everybody has their own private space i mean it's not a clutter of eight beds just kept there or 12 almiras just kept there much more a design play to ensure privacy of the student mm-hmm. so in india currently the offering was 6 8 10 cluttered beds so we have transformed it to a single share twin share and going forward we are designing dormitories in a in a different you know in a very different and international way see that coming in in next year or so that sounds exciting uh, let's go back to the start then the early days you know how, how did you get your first property and how did you get your students uh, how long did it take to get your first batch of students 
So uh, the first properties, if we talk specifically of India, Neil, um, since we have been working in this domain, um, I think the first property, the way we got it was one of Priyanka's, uh, you know, previous client mm -hmm. uh, who was already a property owner. He had been in touch with a couple of local brands, um, lo local companies who were doing it very regionally. And we were looking to enter the Indian market. And, uh, you know, he kind of spoke to us and, you know, suggested that this could be our flagship uh, first look location in India and uh, the moment we entered that property I think both of us fell in love with it uh, and it continues to be our uh, best property so far um, so it, it was a lot of uh, initial days it was a lot of leveraging your own network and stuff uh, in terms of these students uh, I mean we uh, are in a seasonal business so once you open the property you're already opening it closer to, to the academic season uh, but to our utter surprise we had the entire property sold out out in flat six days it was only the first five or six students that we had to kind of look for and reach out to but once they visited and they booked they were able to get their friends and you know in flat six days we were completely sold out we in fact had like almost a hundred percent waitlist on that property when we first started and that's been the trend uh, you know that we've been seeing consistently now our second year as Priyanka mentioned uh, that you know we consistently have seen a lot of people posting on social media asking to open properties in different cities you know that's like the real-time demand assessment exercise as real as it can get um and sales as such because it's a very need-based product it's definitely a notch above a few notches above what's there in the market today in the informal market so sales as such getting customers has not been um you know a big challenge for us how did you get it started in singapore then because were, were you oh. were you working at the time and then we're doing this part yes, time or did you yes, quit your yes, job and do yes. okay yes, so I was working for Marriott uh, the oh, nice. okay. yeah. uh, and Trianka was working with KPMG at mm. that time um, and uh, we both kind of quit up resigned on the same day okay. we had started <laughs> working on the website and you know creating the tech uh, and stuff earlier in the year uh, but once it was closer to the academic season I think it was May that we both resigned and we launched in July the problem that our Singapore business solves I think is inherently a little different um, the problem in markets like Singapore or Hong Kong or Australia for that matter which are more international mobility markets you mm. know students are mostly international students uh, they are um, the problem there is not of the standard product the product there is relatively decent quality mm. but there the problem is more to do with the uh, mobile nature of the international student community and access to information. So it is more of a search and discovery problem that we are able to help solve with the students. Like all our bookings in Singapore kind of happen without a single site visit, even if it's like a one-year, two-year contract, uh, which is very unheard of in the entire rental space globally. Um, because what we are able to do is basically provide full information for somebody sitting thousands of kilometers away to be able to make a decision decision to put down deposit for a one year two year stay on the property uh, without visiting it and hence save them like a week two weeks of um, you know kind of hotel accommodation charges when they first arrive in the city they when they arrive they basically move in with their luggage and every everything is ready for them so there we are trying to the problem we are solving is more of a search booking discovery and information asymmetry of problem as opposed to the product uh, whereas in India developing countries like India or Indonesia for that matter the standardized product doesn't 
exist, which is why people have to go and physically visit each and every local hostel that exists. So we are, of course, trying to standardize that product so that somebody thinks of Oxford Caps, he has a good sense of what he can expect there at the hostel. Good, excellent. Um, yeah, so you said you quit your job both on the same day. Uh, well, I'm just interested in what your thoughts of the of the employees when you told them you're quitting or your friends and family. <laughs> So um, I I come from a business family. Mm-hmm. So to my fa- I'm the first uh, person in my family who actually went out and worked for anybody else. Okay. So my family was actually very happy to know that finally mm-hmm. my blood is speaking for itself and I'm going into business. So uh, I didn't face any of that problem on my employer side. Also, uh, yeah, they would have loved to have me longer, but uh, yeah, they did understood that. I wanted to do something bigger and I'd been dabbling with few things for a long time. I, I think Priyanka's family would have probably been a little surprised. Uh, yeah. Nobody has done business on their end. I, I think I'm the only one who's just taken a punt and moved on with business in life. I mean, entire family, only extended family, everybody has been employed. So for my my family it was a it was a deal i mean they were like uh, they didn't stop me from doing anything hmm. but they were always apprehensive whether it'll work it'll not work and what will happen to my job after that <laughs> 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 <It doesn't work. laughs> whether i'll be ever paid again or i'll be a dependent on my dad <laughs> so, so Anu, is that where your sort of entrepreneurial spirit comes from then your your family um, i would think so like since i was a young girl i have always uh, you know kind of been really close uh, with my first uncle uh, who was in a family business kind of doing a lot of business development uh, i used to love to travel so he would have clients all across india so as a kid i would always use my summer vacations to travel with him to extreme tier 2 tier 3 towns of india um, so i have stayed very closely with him and kind of observed him conduct business um, handle difficult situations uh, you know doing business in india is not an easy thing mm-hmm. so i think somewhere uh, that is in the genes and kind of um, somewhere I probably imbibed a lot during childhood from them. What What is the hardest bit about doing business in India then? <laughs> um, I, 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 um, it's a, it's a regulatory <laughs> framework. It's, it is really a regulatory framework. Mm. It is, it is quite tough mm. to, you know, it is, I mean, there are no laws, there are no rules. There's nothing around it. I mean, uh, the governments have been changing now and they've been, you know, I mean, we were under 60 years and we, in 60 years, India was under one rule and now that we've moved to the other side, our efforts are being made. But then to get everything on ground, there's no clarity on laws. There's no clarity on regulations. Everything is being figured out. And I think uh, whenever whenever there's a situation that comes, after that, the law comes in, in picture, you know. So it, is, it gets very difficult to assess whatever you're doing, right, wrong, what is it? It, it is quite difficult to assess that. So I think that lack of regulation is something which, uh, because these are all new gen businesses um, and India has seen a wave in the last seven, eight years. I, I mean, of all these new tech, new gen tech businesses, or uh, I would say tech enabled businesses, so still being made. So we are still in the process of understanding where do we fall, left or right. Interesting stuff. Uh, actually, yeah, so it was two of you at the start of the uh, start of the business um how did you know how to divide the roles and you know obviously you got sales marketing hr i think you mentioned the website how, how did you go about defining the roles oh well quite frankly or oh, neil even if you look at it today the line is quite kind of very blurred mm. uh, because we are still in early stages of the business mm. Um, I I think the way it kind of goes, and Priyanka, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think the way it kind of goes is uh, 
okay have you done this before okay why don't you take care of it and mm. i'll take care of that you know it's kind of more mutual and conversational and it's evolving on a daily basis um as opposed to having very strict lines between the two uh, but yes yeah. over a period of time you do kind of realize uh one what your personalities and your professional experience or skills are more suited to versus the other um and you kind of um, automatically fit into that role as opposed to having like a very clear distribution i think it's more about having uh, a very clear mental understanding and uh, trust as opposed to you know having everything all your uh, responsibilities divided on paper um, because roles yeah. will evolve as businesses evolve and responsibilities will change um, you know things go wrong you have to step into things that uh, you weren't meant to do um, so it those things keep evolving yeah i would i would just like to add on to it neil that uh, in organization like Like hours where I I totally agree with Anu. Uh, plus there's a seasonality to our our you know our business. There's a mm. there's an aspect of seasonality wherein there's a particular period where one has to go for acquisitions, then a particular period for getting the projects ready and standardizing the properties, then a particular period to you know kickstart sales, pre-sales, and then you know hand over to operations. So if you say that all the businesses all the time have majority of their operations running in parallel. in our case it's like a funnel 3 months 4 months funnel for everything so division of responsibility practically was also not possible it was it was it was like 3 months uh, two founders are under extreme pressure to do one thing hmm. <laughs> because the next would only follow the have you had any disagreements then uh, and how did you resolve it i don't think that we've had disagreements <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, i doubt that we i think we've uh, as anu said that we understand uh, each other's personality mm. well we complement each other plus uh, uh, we understand ourselves also pretty well so i think as she mentioned it's more a factor of trust and uh, more a factor of you know who can handle the thing better and mm. that's how we do it mm. so we we fairly have not had any disagreements and i doubt that we'll have any because we've already scaled up 75 times mm. it's now a matter of you know going just ahead little ahead mm. every year so i know you have something to say about it oh no i think i agree there there would be kind of difference of approach in mm. doing things um but i think that's where uh, trust uh, you know what i mentioned earlier kind of comes in um that you you are both equally taking ownership as long as that is there and you're both working for the benefit of the business um i think those things difference of approach in doing one thing one way versus the other kind of happens uh, in major matters strategic matters and stuff we have usually surprisingly been on the same page obviously you you said you met 18 years ago um yeah. you know and what what was your you know first impressions of priyanka <laughs> <laughs> I I distinctly remember I think the first time I saw her was when she visited my house with her mother mm-hmm. um because uh, she was admitted to the same architecture school and we were neighbors so mom got um mom uh, her mom and she came to our place to kind of get acquainted because kids are going to go to the same school and stuff um she was uh, following me one year and uh, you know since then we have kind of uh, we were of course different classes so i have seen 
her personality evolve and you know during school days kind of seen her more from a distance as opposed to being close friends but it's only after we started working because uh, you'll see in india there are very few women who are working in real estate um, you know and uh, fortunately two of us were both working in real estate and uh, we were always crossing paths either on assignments projects uh, through different sub consultants or hiring people from each other's teams so i think it's more on during our working days that we kind of got closer uh, but i had already always seen uh, uh, and known her to be a very energetic and strong personality uh, which is what i appreciated because uh, you can't do business in india without that so yeah the basic personality is something that was always known yeah, but, but i i want to say i want to say one thing neel i remember the first day my mom went to her house as i told you indian kids are super dependent right? same was i some 20 years back and my mother asked danu to take care of me and she's been taking care of me since 20 years so <laughs> Okay. So I think I I I we we more uh, we more uh, related with families uh, in the sense that uh, my my parents have known her parents for a long time now and uh, that triggers another level of underlying trust between us uh, for me I would say that uh, the only thing that really drew me every time towards Anu was um she's she's very aggressive in her in her work but at the same time she's a very calm and a very composed person extremely opposite to me so I I always wanted to have you know entail that trait which i could never but i really really appreciate it i think uh, whenever there's a discussion uh, and she puts forward something i always appreciate that she probably has thought 10 times more and i accept it blindly because that's that's one thing that i've appreciated for 20 years and now whenever she says something i think i should abide that's one clear thing that she has um let, let's talk about um finance then raised <laughs> 10 10 million dollars is that right yes we've raised a total of about 10 and a half billion dollars and we are closing our series b round as we speak mm-hmm. so that that's about a month away from closing mm-hmm. um but that would be kind of a bigger uh, private equity round which would uh, kind of take up to a much larger scale to make us india's largest student housing company mm-hmm. um and also get us to a uh, profitability stage mm-hmm. we are already uh, a bit positive and profitable at property level mm-hmm. um for majority of our properties but at the company level with this scale um you know about 100000 beds we would be profitable at the company level as well mm-hmm. and how was it you know pitching to investors Oh, raising ten million. Uh, Prenka, how how long did it take us? We were out for about um, three, ma- we, three, three months. Three months. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. It was. Uh, we were out in the market for about three months, and uh, we got the term sheet within three months. And then closing process, of course, does take a little bit of time, especially if you're in India. Uh, but I think from that perspective, Touchwood, we've been fortunate that even this round, while it was a larger round, we've been out in the market for ourselves actively looking. for about 3 to 4 months hmm. um yeah it's yeah. it's a product where we uh, you know which is kind of really gaining traction we have also been very deliberate in terms of uh, you know both Priyanka and I personally as well as uh, from a company perspective we have kind of deliberately invested in PR being on the right platform hmm. so typically between investors at least 80% of the investors that we have spoken to they are the ones who have approached us as to us going out in addition yeah. to that of course having an institutional investor as your early investor um it's basically investors who are connecting us 
access to you know larger investors for future rounds um so it's 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 been an interesting journey mm-hmm. as such from a fundraising perspective good stuff and can you share any tips on on how to pitch to investors and obviously we have listeners who may want to do the same thing Brenga, <laughs> you have any tips i uh, no, i know you are an expert in that i i can let you take <laughs> that one <laughs> Um, I, I I would say um, I I have uh, seen a lot of young guys, uh, you know, kind of also looking to raise funds, um, first time entrepreneurs, and we have also learned. We were first time entrepreneurs. Uh, we have learned through three rounds of fundraising now. Um, but I think mostly people, when they are trying to raise, they are too focused on uh, what their business is and you know how uh, how their business is great. Uh, I think what uh, most people People kind of miss out on understanding is the kind of investor you're sitting across the table from, and what kind of businesses do they want to invest in, right? An an early stage VC or uh, versus somebody who's a balance sheet investor versus somebody who's a private equity investor. The all these three different kind of investors have a very different philosophy of investing. There may not be anything wrong with your business altogether. Um, but you may not fit their investment thesis so uh, i think if i have to give one tip i would say it's important to understand what kind of investor you're sitting in front of and what their investment thesis is what kind of businesses they invest in and how does your and very categorically kind of explain how uh, how your business fits with their investment thesis as opposed to looking more and more internally good stuff <clears throat> how how big is the team now uh we are about 260 odd people uh across india mm-hmm. uh and singapore um uh, with the new round of fundraise i think our team will at least double if not more over next one year um our team currently is spread across 10 cities in india uh we are headquartered in delhi gurgaon um and that's where about we have 120 people sitting out of our corporate functions in gurgaon hi finding the, the hiring side of things uh you know tips to our listeners and you know what to look for when hiring employees you know so a lot of them do make stuff up as well so you don't know what what you're actually hiring for yeah so uh, i i think hiring in india is very interesting we've hired in singapore as well um you know in singapore if we for example uh, market one position called ops manager you would barely get like eight cvs and out of which maybe one you would feel like even meeting for an interview right the challenge in india is if i advertise the same position you would get like thousands of cvs and there may be at least 50 100 that you would want to meet uh, but what a person's cv says versus what the person is actually capable of whether he'll fit in the culture uh, of your organization or not uh, so there's a lot of uh, subjectivity that's there apart from just looking at the person's cv that needs to be taken care of during the interview process um so now when we are scaling up even further we are really uh, you know kind of focused on making our interview process uh, you know sort of uh, more robust where we are able to kind of interview people for the skills that are required uh, for their respective teams both soft as well as technical skills um so in india i think a lot of filtering actually happens through the interview process as opposed to the cv as such uh, and what what is it what is it you most love about what you do what i, I think uh, 
having spent almost uh, 12 years in real estate so this was this was something which was in sync with what i knew what i loved and uh, what i've been doing for 12 years as a continuation to that so i think uh, the the real estate side of uh, you know in india you used to call it uh, develop uh, you know alternative assets and um, i remember when i was uh, working with jll every time would i would just think of uh, uh, you know that uh, one day there'll be a day when people will not invest in residential retail they'll look beyond what next i i'm i'm very excited about uh, the thing that you know what we are doing right now is where people will invest next so i and and that that's already started happening you see all the private equity funds and everybody has started moving into student house so i think that dream that uh, was there is now you know coming to reality and that is something that i'm really really excited about and uh, the thing that has my passion has really come to light that is something that i love about what i'm doing anu uh, what about yourself for me uh, i think i'm a little less passionate about real estate as uh, opposed to um people so i i love to build things and create things and uh, for me it is just uh, an honor to know that we with what we are doing are able to create jobs um uh, keep people excited um you'd be surprised you know our attrition is almost zero uh, we have pulled people from uh, you know very established organizations mm. also very interesting uh, places where they were working at and uh, we are able to retain them give them enough exciting opportunities to keep them engaged um and gainfully excited um so i think that's the part that i love most about what i'm doing mm-hmm. good stuff and is anything in the in the startup world or startup life that you don't like Any, anything you want to get off your chest oh <laughs> lots <laughs> lots uh, so i i i was uh, just telling my husband yesterday that before i started oxford cabs for almost a year i used to uh wake up thinking that my life is running out and um, i'm missing out on something big i need to do something <laughs> and now i wake up uh, thinking that something is going to go wrong so the paranoia that comes with being an entrepreneur <laughs> is something that i hate the most uh, it uh, you know you need to learn over a period of time how to manage that uh, manage the level of stress but um, i think that's something i hate the most priyanka uh, for me i think uh, i think india is a very very competitive uh, landscape in startups and uh, you know in the startup space uh, if you see you know every day uh, i think we are reeling under who has got uh, more money how do we manage our funds better how do we manage our operations better i mean so it's 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 more stressful than being a natural progression of learning i would say it 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 comes with a lot of stress that you know you have to be in the game you have to stay in the game you have to in you know so much resistance coming from every side so much money flowing into here there everywhere so you know how to up your game and i mean that's one thing that people generally like doing if it is gradual but if it is too much of you know if it is like if it, if you give a timeline to it that okay fine anu and priyanka you have to up your game in two days you can you understand the kind of stress that we would be hmm. going through so i think uh, india's competitive landscape has added too much of stress um and probably it will i, I think it kills innovation a bit because innovation also takes its own time uh, innovation is also a lot of data driven but then before the data is generated everybody is trying to do everything and that whole stress is something that is really difficult to deal with i think i think that is where uh, i need anu the most <laughs> where i 
I would just I would just like to add two things to it. Real number one, I think a lot of it is basically Asian culture. Uh, in Singapore, we used to call it uh, the lion mom culture. Uh, you know, it's basically the culture which is really, uh, which really rewards performance. Um, you know, failure is something which is not talked about. It is not something which is really acceptable at all. Not yeah. only. Internally, but even within, uh, you know, your own families, right? Parents are pushing. This is something we see see with college kids who are staying with us on an everyday basis that they're pushed to their limits from their parents, even, right? So um, I think a lot of it is that. Um, and second part, uh, probably we have uh, shut our eyes and ears to it. But a second part of it is also being. Uh, women in the entrepreneurial system mm-hmm. um, you know nobody talks about it much or they talk about it in a very superficial way but mm-hmm. it is a real challenge where people uh, will not openly say uh, to your face that we will not invest because you are a woman mm-hmm. right because probably they also don't understand that this is the unconscious bias that is playing in but those unconscious biases are very real and they are existing so um, you know all of this kind of put put together is what um, you know sort of is stressing the Indian startup system as such. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do, do, do you think we'll be still having that same conversation in say 30 years time then? I, I sincerely hope not although I would say surprisingly and very unfortunately we are still having a lot of conversations that we were at least having 10-15 uh, years back when I started my career you know uh, I remember we were sitting with one industry person and uh, he uh, he clearly asked me, uh, Priyanka might remember my, the expression on my face at that time. Uh, he <laughs> was like, you know, she, she, I understand she's single, so she's able to devote herself 200% uh, to this. Uh, but how do you manage it, right? Since you're married. Uh, there's somebody who has also asked me, does your husband permit you to travel so much, right? So we are still having those conversations 10, 15 years later as uh, we did when I started my career I sincerely hope 30 years later we are not having the same conversation uh, otherwise <laughs> work is really not in a good place and we have not done have you got any like favorite book any favorite blogs that you know may have helped you on your career oh uh, I I have read a lot of backy stuff I think some of uh, some of my favorites I think uh, from an entrepreneurship perspective I would say Steve Jobs biography mm-hmm. um, that I read a long a couple of years ago his obsession with uh, though he was a little eccentric personality but his obsession with the product and design is something that I was really inspired from um, I recently read the hard thing about hearts. Uh, that that was a good book, book from an entrepreneur's uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I think those are the two ones that I would like to quote. Priyanka, any any mm-hmm. favorite books or blogs? In, in in my case, Neil, I am more of a um, you know I'm more of a magazine person mm-hmm. or I'm more of a you know daily news person. I read lesser books, so I think uh, the best that I go to every day is the Ken. I I really uh, like reading the Ken. It's very interesting to see you know the way uh, they take up once one startup uh, nationally internationally or one established company and the way they you know they they dig deeper in it to take out dig out the loopholes in the company to dig out the profits to dig out the revenues to dig out the strategies what went right what went wrong and i think it really helps us shape our uh, you know our company it really helps us to understand how things have been moving how regulatory environment has been impacting what are the rights what are the wrongs people have been doing 
and there's so much to read because every day it's a new story I think that is something which is which I love to read and I I highly recommend mm-hmm. it and do you have any like business heroes uh, people you look up look up to obviously, obviously you mentioned Steve Jobs is, is there anyone else Jack Ma I think he's he's an icon he's uh, just uh, he's just amazing in terms of his own growth story in terms of uh, his uh, philosophy of people management his philosophy of uh, revenues and costs uh, a lot of intangible also related to it not everything is so tangible which i think is so perfectly explained by him i think jack ma i knew anyone else besides steve jobs um i i i would say more closer home uh, the motis mm-hmm. um narayan moti and sudha moti um you know they've built a successful business but at the same time um you know the philanthropic work that they've done uh, they're very humble people you can walk past them um, you know on a road or in a cafe and not think that these guys are billionaires or millionaires um, you know the simplicity that they continue to maintain and uh, you know, the philanthropic work that they have devoted themselves to i think that's something i really admire mm-hmm. so you you must have had a lot of advice along the way what what's been the best best advice you've received both of you oh um I think one of my friends had told me uh he is an entrepreneur and he had told me that um while wealth is concentrated intelligence is even more concentrated and I think the day you understand that about the world uh you would know uh how to deal with teams how to structure teams how to work with people and uh, I think that's been one of the most useful things that i've come to you know that's been kind of an aha moment for me so i think uh, i think the best thing i was ever told was um, and i i think uh, we both stand by it equally is whatever i, I it's all about an equi- equilibrium it's it's not what you receive or not what you give it always should be in equilibrium the more you receive the more you should give back to the society and that is something we've been you know we've been doing uh i think if we understand this basic thing the kind of uh, uh, and that's that's very close to one's dream as well wherein we say that you know it really helps us improve our people management it's mm-hmm. all about eq is what uh i think is there yes mm-hmm. so that's that's really lacking in today's world and it's it's something that one should own to create th- things and businesses which are differentiated from mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. yeah yeah you, you seem to be growing really fast Um you're not you're not sort of like growing too fast are you? <laughs> What do <did> you say? Oh <laughs> um, um, well well some of it yes we've grown fast but some of it is also i would say uh, a function of the nature of our business mm-hmm. is seasonal so from the time that you raise funds you basically have the next academic season to kind of display growth we have like peaks and spikes um, and that period is the only period when you can really show a spikes of growth uh, so a lot of it is also a function of the industry that you are in um, but yes we have been growing fast and i think this scale of growth and the pace of growth was necessary for the company to kind of really understand the different um, varieties that exist across india india as you know they are like over 30000 indias within india mm. uh, it was essential that we taste you know different cities different kind of people which will which is now really helpful in us or uh, trying to fine tune our business model and kind of make a product which is more tuned and caters to a larger section of the society i would say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good stuff uh, last few questions then um you know what what's the main quality that a first time founder should have uh, 
that's a that's a very hard question uh, <laughs> or call it easy i i i think perseverance is probably the most important quality not only first time but any founder needs to have uh because uh, whatever you can think will go wrong will go wrong uh what you thought will go right probably 10% of that will go right and every day you are learning something new um so you you need to kind of just stick it along and uh, stay in it long enough to uh, make it right so i think perseverance yeah. is kind of the most important quality that an entrepreneur needs um as such and i think it comes from the basic fact that change is the only constant in an entrepreneur's life Mm-hmm. every day it's something new something failed something uh, which just didn't work something that worked beyond your expectation so it's all about that small 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 change mm-hmm. was it was it like a specific breakthrough moment then that you thought that it was going to work um i think for me personally the happiest and the changing moment in our uh, life in our uh, journey with oxford cats has been the day we got um you know our first investment offer from vishal uh, i think subsequent uh, that was seed round it was a much smaller round but i don't think any of the other investment opportunities have ever uh, investment proposals have ever made us happier um i don't totally agree and uh, that that's been personally uh, the happiest moment but also the moment that kind of helped us uh, uh help us take oxford caps through a different trajectory uh because one of course the logically there were funds coming into the company but generally uh vishal and kaili at 500 startups have been extremely supportive uh, investors mm. uh they have always been there to kind of uh, brainstorm uh, you know look through new ideas they have never uh, you know kind of chewed off on any new ideas they have mm. always kind of logically uh, brainstormed with us and they've been more of friends as opposed to uh, investors that mm. you would see traditionally uh, in asia and that i would say has been kind of uh, the change in moment in the journey of fox last few questions and uh, in terms of hobbies and interests uh, you know how do you how do you switch off mm. or do you switch off <laughs> I I like to read. Yeah. Uh, time with family, you get very little of it. Um, nowadays I'm building. Um, my husband and I we are kind of renovating our house, so mm-hmm. there is a lot of uh, dormant architect in us, which has taken life again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a lot of uh, just understanding materials. So I I basically like uh reading and traveling a lot mm-hmm. essentially. Otherwise, mm-hmm. cool. Pr- Priyanka, yeah. For me, it's. it's about traveling i think i there's one thing that i lost in last one year was my weekend travel which i picked back again and i think it's a lot of, for me it's just about travel that is that is where i find my peace yeah. <laughs> every weekend i just need to pick up my car and be on the road is 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 tra- traveling in india is it yes okay okay yes. cool good stuff and w- w- very much to roads and highways yeah. so i'm i'm very much of a driving okay. driving person well, well, i'm go- i'm going to india next month so have you got any like recommendations on things to see or things to do places to visit i i think um, i think there are a couple of very beautiful places in india kerala is one of them mm. goa is one of them uh, a lot of people actually have not visited leh ladakh and that it's not there on the international map also mm-hmm. a lot of people don't visit leh ladakh i think that's really beautiful spiti valley is again very beautiful So uh these are a couple of places which are I mean Leh Ladakh Spiti they are the Kutch the run of Kutch 
they're slightly unheard of uh, you know go and kerala are the most popular mm, yeah, destinations yeah. the golden triangle is the most popular destination but uh, india is very very beautiful mm-hmm. so i would highly recommend uh, you know these these sort of serene locations uh, last few questions then. Uh, so so looking back then on this entrepreneurial journey uh, what what surprised you the most would you say oh uh, what surprised me the most i i i think the way um, the business model evolves and how different the customers uh, speak versus what your research would say is something that is always eye opening that would be true for most businesses uh, for me personally uh, uh, i think what has uh, kind of come as a biggest learning is uh, essentially how a traditional business i used to work for marriott before that doing real estate investments i think how traditional businesses were being looked at versus the growth of these new age businesses um is being looked at that um dichotomy is something that has surprised me a lot i uh, i think the world is kind of still uh, evolving in terms of how the new age businesses should grow there are no perfect models so far um that to me is kind of a new experience every day we've all heard of the weaver saga but at the same time there've been uh, very successful new age businesses as well um so i i think that's been kind of the biggest learning uh, experience for me as such Priyanka anything what's, what's, what surprised I mean, you the most what, <laughs> uh, I think when the first time we made our team uh, of you know 100 plus people I was I was amazed to see something Neil that everybody in India I mean in the workspace we hired from across 50 60 companies and everybody had a very common trait and that common trait was less of self drive and more of external acknowledgement and more of uh, you know and and just a very basic percentage appraisal that has stuck in their mind i mean the unwillingness to going beyond that line mm-hmm. or probably they've just accepted the way things are they've just accepted their careers and i would say there was some sort of a dissatisfaction associated with you know this these things in life but then they've accepted it that was something that me and anu have really really tried to change we have uh, gone on to giving commission policies bonus policies to make them more self driven because that is something that a great company and a great startup needs more more of self drive more of ownership so i think that was something that really really surprised me i was really not expecting that you hire from a gamut of companies and everybody came with an underlying trait that you know okay fine i just need to have this percentage every year and i'm just looking for external acknowledgement that was something i was really surprised now and we are we are making an extra effort to change that excellent okay last last question then for people who want more information on oxford caps Uh, what must they do uh, they could go to our website there uh, there is a query form you could fill that in or you could also email us and call us on the number given at the on the website brilliant anu and priyanka thank you for coming on the show today thank you thanks neil thank you so much me. all the best thank you now cheers thanks thanks to anu and priyanka for coming on the show today please go to oxfordcaps.com for more information Thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. And if you're building something exciting, please send me an email, hello at neilpatel.co or tweet at Indian Startup SH or go to facebook.com forward slash Indian Startup Show. Love to get, thank you and goodbye.